verse 23. The Apostle Paul says, For I receive from the Lord that which I now pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. We're happier than that. Good morning. It's fantastic to have this opportunity to break a music stand in public. <laughs> I was doing the sound, I was speaking earlier over in the corner and I said, oh, I think I've broken my mascaras everywhere and that's when they sound checked me. Went all over the tent, mascara, 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 mascara. Kathy Madavan's in the building. I hope you've had a fantastic week like me. I've had a great time. I feel inspired. I feel challenged. I feel like I've got so much I want to go home and think more about. And I feel energized for the task ahead. I hope you do too. And this morning as we prepare to have communion together, which is fantastic, and as we get ourselves ready for re-entry into real life, it's really good for us to be able to spend some time together now focusing on what it means actually to be a Christ-like community who have got a commission to transform the world. That's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And we're going to remind ourselves one more time that the church is absolutely God's brilliant idea. Every single one of us, me, you, we are all God's brilliant idea. So let's just on this final morning, take a little look at that last person next to you and say to them with conviction now, actually, you are brilliant. Go on, do it. I hope you all really feel that now. I hope you know after this week that you really are brilliant. So I wonder what things you would like to take home from Spring Harvest with you. I'm sure there's lots of things you'd like to take home. Personally, I'm quite happy to leave the seagulls behind. That's fine, yeah. Uh, but the thing I would like to take home isn't very spiritual, actually. I would like to take home the restaurant. I, I love the fact that I've been cooked for all week. I haven't had to prepare it. I haven't had to wash it up. Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. And my kids adore eating here in the restaurant. It is their opinion that they get fed much better here than they do at home. Which actually is not a surprise to anyone who knows me because anyone who knows me knows that cooking is not my spiritual gift. Absolutely not. In fact, I remember very clearly a time when my children were younger, about kind of five and eight, and we had some over people for tea, you know, like a family over, and I'm in the kitchen kind of like doing whatever Christian version of swearing is at the cooker, kind of going <laughs> over the cooker. And I heard my children in the other room talking to the family and they, and they said, don't go into the kitchen. Don't go, leave, leave mummy, and, and we'll know when dinner's ready, because we always know when dinner's ready, because the smoke alarm goes off. <laughs> it's really true, it's really true. 
And uh, I'm married to a guy called Mark, and he's a Baptist minister, which makes me a minister's wife. Um, and my church had to kind of like face up pretty quickly to the fact that I was not the pastor's wife that was going to bake. Not going to happen. In fact, it was probably best for every health and safety reason that I stay away from the kitchen altogether. I was asked once if I would help do refreshments for a conference. And I remember very clearly they were shorthanded and someone came up to me and said, Kathy, Kathy, would you mind just going into the kitchen and helping with teas and coffees? Now, in my mind, I said, honestly, I'm just the last person in the whole world. This is not a good idea. I'm bad. I'm clumsy. I'm rubbish at this stuff. And so I just said to her, yes, of course, I'd love to. That would be absolutely fine because we're Christians and that's what we do. So I went into the kitchen and somebody who knew what she was doing handed me the mother of all stainless steel teapots. Where, who? Where? You only ever see these things in churches. They must breed in vestries somewhere. I've never seen anything like it. So she hands me this monster teapot, and I'm stood at the hatch of, the hatch of hell. And the first victims come forward, and there's, there's two ladies that come to the front. And the, the lady on my left says to me, oh, yeah, lovely, Kathy. I'd love a tea. Could you make mine a strong one, though? Yeah, and the lady on the right says to me, I'll have a tea, but could not mine be nice and weak? Well, I looked at them. And I looked at the teapot. And I looked back at them and I said, in my best pastor's wife voice, do I look like David Copperfield? I said, I've got one giant teapot with a random amount of fairly traded tea bags inside. It's not a steak. You don't ask for it medium well done or rare. So I haven't been asked to do that again, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you are all thinking, actually, our vicar's wife, our minister's wife, she's pretty good, actually. Yeah. And I would say to you, yes, she is. Go home and stroke her and love her and buy her gifts. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. So why am I sharing with you my hospitality horror stories? Well, the reason is, actually, it's so easy for us to get distracted from what really matters, for us to completely miss the point of what something is about. And I had missed the point in those occasions. And if you love cooking, by the way, thank God for you. It's a wonderful gift. And I really do believe God uses it powerfully. But hospitality, gathering together, being together, it's not just about whether you can go on MasterChef or you can run a church kitchen. It's about embracing people and about every single person being welcome into the body of Christ. And I'd missed that. It was not supposed to be about the food or the drinks. It was supposed to be about being a Christ-like community. That became even clearer to me about a month ago when I was in Africa with my family. I got to go with my kids and my husband to a charity we worked with in Africa. It was amazing. And my daughter and I, my 11-year-old daughter, got to go to the house of two elderly ladies to visit them. I've got a picture of them. Hopefully you'll be able to see it. It's not the world's greatest picture. But I visited these two ladies. They have buried all of their children, these two ladies. And now they're looking after their grandchildren. One of them is blind and one of them walks with a stick. And the lady with the stick got up and she disappeared. 
Ten minutes later, she came back from the garden with a carrier bag full of mangoes, and she presented them to me. And I said to the person from the charity, I cannot possibly take these mangoes. And the person from the charity said, she wants you to have it. And actually, Kathy, just for you to know, she will have spent months watching those mangoes grow, and she's just given them all to you. Well, we took a mango, and we cut it open, and we shared it amongst us. And she said through the interpreter, would the, would the lady sing for us? So I kind of went, yeah, sure. Because uh, you do, right? And we, I sang a simple worship song together, and they kind of like tried to join in and clap. And it was just glorious. And I thought, this probably is the closest thing to heavenly fellowship I've ever experienced. And it really wasn't just about the food, although it was delicious. It was about the generous hearted welcome of being in a Christ-centered community. And it was beautiful. And this is relevant to us because the Apostle Paul, when he was writing in Corinthians, was really, really, really concerned that we keep our focus as a church and that we don't get distracted from what matters to God. And Malcolm read those verses, didn't he, that, to be honest, are so familiar. This is my body. This is my, we, we, we hear it so often in our communion services that, to be honest, we probably know them by heart. They just wash over us. But this, folks, is a classic example of why we need to make sure we read the stuff around the passages that we read. We understand that every verse we know comes with a context. Because actually, these very familiar verses about communion are found surrounded by words where Paul is basically giving the church a bit of a written telling off. He really is. Why? What was going on? Well, the Corinthians were meeting together. They were having communion. But what they did was they had it as part of a larger meal. They took it as part of a meal together. And actually, Paul wasn't necessarily having a go at that. But what happened was that everybody would bring food to the table to this gathering. Everyone would bring food, bring wine, stick it in the middle, share it together. Nice. Except the wealthy people turned up first. And they came with a load of stuff. And they came with their wine and they got stuck right in. The poorer people, well, I guess they're working, but they turned up much later to the party. They had pretty much nothing to give, maybe nothing at all to give, and by the time they got there, everything had been finished, and the people were rolling around drunk. And Paul says to them, this is not fit to be called the Lord's Supper. This is just supper. He said, there's nothing communal about this communion. He tells them if they want to pig out, this is the message version, <laughs> if they want to pig out, they should do it at home. They've got homes if they want to gorge themselves. And he said to them, you're doing more harm than good. It's really strong words here. Read them for yourselves later. It was an absolute disgrace to Paul that what was supposed to be a meal of love and unity and welcome, which would have been a massive example of equality in that culture, ended up being something that caused division where the poor were humiliated and excluded. For these people, it had become all about the food, about the dinner. They'd forgotten completely what it was supposed to be about. They'd lost their focus. They'd got distracted. They'd missed the point. It wasn't supposed to be about dinner. It was supposed to be about building a Christ-like community. Paul wants us to build a church where everybody is welcome, where we all feel 
that we've got a place at the table. Even though we've got such different backgrounds, such different churches, we're all so different, aren't we? I've had a fantastic week in the start zone. It's been brilliant to get to know people from every different kind of background and church. We are so different here, aren't we? In fact, actually, why don't you look at that person you spoke to before and say, you are brilliant, but you're a little bit different. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but we really are, aren't we? We really are all so, so different. We come from backgrounds, we come from churches that are so different, which is why it is so important that we are able to come together around the Lord's table and share communion as one together. Before we go out and do the stuff that we feed on Christ, before we go back to our churches where we're going to do communion so differently, aren't we? Week by week in all of our churches. You know, when I was 20, and I had been a Christian for only a year, I got a job in a charity that worked in the Church of England. And part of my job was to go into a different church and preach each weekend. Don't ask me how I got this job. God must have the most warped sense of humor in the world. Did we have, we've got a lot of Anglicans here, right? Could you put up, if I came to your church during that period, I am so sorry if that, <laughs> I am so, so, so sorry. I've never been to an Anglican church in my life. And I turned up with my little preach in my hands. And on the way in, the vicar said to me, uh, by the way, are you happy to help with the Eucharist? No idea what a Eucharist is. <laughs> no idea. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. And so again, I said, yes, of course. <laughs> no problem. You're seeing a pattern ha happen here in my, yeah. So. I said, yes, that's fine. And we got inside and halfway through one of the songs, I thought, I really do need to tell him that I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And I leaned over and I said, I have no idea. What is a Eucharist? And he said, you'll be fine, love. Just follow me. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So we got to the point where in the service where the communion, the Eucharist was going to happen. Shock number one, people came forward. I had no idea. That was like, whoa. I'd only ever been in a Baptist church where you were given a tiny glass thimble of nasty tasting juice. <laughs> had no idea this kind of thing happened. So, I know, yes, I feel your pain. And so these, <laughs> these, these, these people are coming forward and the shock number two in this particular church, and this might happen in some of yours, and it is beautiful actually, the people come forward and they knelt on the altar rail and then, horror, they put their hands behind their back, and, you, and it is beautiful, and they just literally open their mouth, and the priest goes along and pops a little wafer thing on their tongue, and I, he, he shoves me my goblet, and I'm supposed to shimmy along, <laughs> and just tip. <laughs> oh, no. I'm supposed to tip the wine, still no hands, the hands are still behind the back, so I've got to tip, and I look at this first woman who is knelt in holy reverence, <laughs> just trusting with a beautiful white blouse. <laughs> and I think to myself, would this be the moment to tell them that I have been sacked from waitressing three times? <laughs> Not once, three times. <sighs> anyway, I got through that and they sent me off to Anglican boot camp and that was all fine. And it was the best job in the world because I got to go into a different church 
every week and see the community of Christ experiencing communion in all kinds of different ways. One week we'd be there knelt before a glorious stained glass window with a gospel, of sto a gospel story painted in front of our eyes. Another week, you'd be there with babies bouncing on your lap and rock guitars, kind of like, you know, trying to eat bread at the same time. And another, another place, you'd be blessing each other with the elements. And somewhere else, you would see the priest in all of his finery, repeating words that have been said for centuries. It's glorious, the diversity of the church. It's absolutely beautiful. We are doing it with people all around the world and throughout history, sharing communion together. It's incredible to me. And no matter how different we are, no matter what our backgrounds, what this reminds me is that we all have a place around the table. That's what Paul wanted us to know. We are all welcome around the table, every single one of us. It's a place of grace. Whatever your background, whatever your education, your gender, your color, your culture, your personality, your disability, no matter how wounded by life you might be, when we come to the cross, when we come to the table, we are all equal, we are all loved. And God has a purpose for every single one of us. We can give a round of applause for that. God really does want to use every single one of you. And the reason I know this is because I was frankly the most unlikely candidate, as you can probably imagine, that God was ever likely to use. I was 19 when I first tripped across the church. I was at university. I'd had a pretty difficult upbringing and I was properly off the rails. University said to me, do you want to come to Long to some gatherings and stuff in my church? And I was like, yeah, fine. So I went along, and I have to tell you, this was not some groovy, big, sexy, seeker-friendly megachurch. This was a tiny gospel brethren hall in Plymouth. Not a lot of women speakers. <laughs> but I tell you, they loved me. They loved me. They showed me such incredible love. I didn't wear the stuff that they wore. I didn't speak like they speak, but they let me ask my questions. They made me welcome. They let me play board games with them. They were wonderful. And they celebrated when I became a Christian. They absolutely were full of joy. And then they told me that there was a large Baptist church down the road. <laughs> to this day, I have no whether it was because they were so godly that they just wanted to see me thrive and develop in this wonderful church, or whether it was because, frankly, they had the protection of their young men to think about. <laughs> I suspect in hindsight it was a combination of the both, but whatever reason it was, they were wonderful to me. They were absolutely wonderful. And there is good news in that, folks, because whatever church you have come from and whatever kind of church you are going back to, you can love people you can love people. You're still part of God's brilliant idea. You're part of God's plan. Every single one of us is needed to transform the world. And we must not get distracted from that. That is our focus. We've said all week, who we are and what we do are inextricably linked. We are a Christ-centered community with a commission to transform the, wor the world. And in these verses about communion, Paul says we're, we're doing this until Christ returns. Until he comes back, we've got a job to do. We're all needed. And we're going to go back and face some real challenges, I think, probably. 
But we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He has not finished transforming lives. He has not finished transforming situations. And he hasn't finished transforming churches either. And we need fantastic men and women to stand up and say, I will be involved in leading this church. I, I'm prepared to give my very best, whether it's paid or unpaid, to think it is a privilege and it is a calling to lead the wonderful bride of Christ. And we need every other single one of us to step up and step up a whole gear and go, you know what? Count me in. I am going to be the best disciple I can possibly be. I want my church, my neighborhood, my family, my workplace, my university to be flavored with the grace of God because I'm in it. Because I believe that God can transform every situation. We have to keep focused. The time has totally passed from looking at other people and expecting them to pick up the baton, hasn't it? Where we are in the UK at the moment, if we want a church in 50 years for our kids and grandchildren, it is going to take every single one of us to pray together, to dream together, and to do this thing. And that is why I think this week has been so wonderful, because I feel that's what we've been doing, isn't it? That is exactly what we've been doing. You know, when Mark and I turned up at our church eight years ago, we had a dream that it would be the kind of community that, first of all, we couldn't live without. But secondly, that our church would be the kind of community that our neighborhood literally could not function without. But when we got there, people were exhausted. They were so tired. They were like, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. They were on rotors. I, actually, I heard Chris say earlier in the week that the, do you remember this? He said the church can be like a helicopter. People quickly get sucked up into the rotors. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> It was great. And I was like, that was our church. That was absolutely our church. One of the first things that my husband did was ban the word rota. People used to walk around going, the R word, you know, the R word. And the other thing that we did was we walked around an awful lot in the church going, why? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do it like that? Why does our juice taste so bad? You know, just asking loads of questions and working out, what is important? What isn't important? What matters? And what is just scaffolding that we can move around because it's not core to what we are? Because you know, right, that it is very possible in churches that we can get distracted on stuff that doesn't matter. Is that true ever in your church? Okay, I'm so glad it's not just me. It is really possible that we forget what really matters. And it is important that we keep focused on it. Now, my church is far from perfect. And I expect yours probably is not perfect either, but I love my church. I love it. And it is so important that we share good news stories in our churches when he's at work. You know, when you're back at church next week and you're working in the kids' work or you're in messy church or you're doing street pastors or maybe all week when you're at work and God uses you in a conversation or you're in your neighborhood doing neighborhood watch or something, whenever God uses you, whenever there's a story of hope, for goodness sakes, let's share it. Let's find creative ways in our churches of saying, you know what, God's on the move. Something happened here. It was wonderful. And we're exploring that as a church at the moment, how we can share these stories. There's one story we're telling at the moment, and it's of a lady in our church called Pauline. Very simple little story. And at Christmas, Pauline was asked to bring a toy to the toy service. You have to gets distributed to people who need them. And so Pauline was surfing on the internet, trying to work out what to buy for the service. 
and she decided to buy a baby Annabelle doll. And so she bought a baby Annabelle doll, and then she went off to what the old people's group in our church, and she said to them, would you help me make some outfits for this doll? And they got their knitting needles out, and lo, there were outfits and jumpers. And they made these wonderful outfits for this baby Annabelle doll. And Pauline dressed the doll lovingly, and she laid out the other outfits, made it beautiful in the box, and then she presented her doll at the service. Job done. In the new year, we received a card from the family who'd received the doll. And this family said to us, we just want to thank your church for the love that you showed us. And we learned about this family that due to very difficult circumstances, they were not having any toys that Christmas. The little girl had only asked for one present, but she wasn't likely to get any presents. But the only present she'd asked for was a baby Annabelle doll. Now, Pauline didn't know that. The social services lady didn't know that. But God knew And he transformed the life of that little girl that Christmas. And you know what? I think we don't know the half of what God's up to. I don't think we have any idea how much he's at work in the world. Just in simple little things, how he can take them and transform things. Be encouraged, people. God is at work. And there is nothing like the church when the church is working properly. We are a Christ-like community who are commissioned to change the world. We are the place where people find hope. We are the place where lonely people find a family. We are the place where tempted people find strength to keep going on. We're the community where disabled people are given dignity, where people care about stuff like justice and freedom and the poor. We are the community where families can be strengthened, where people feel equipped to fulfill their calling for every day, wherever they find themselves, with a big vision that God has a purpose for them. And most of all, we are the community of Christ. We're where he dwells. We are the place where people can discover that Jesus loves them and died for them. And that they can know him and follow him and grow in their faith with him. Hallelujah. The church is a fantastic place, isn't it? We must not get distracted. Keep our focus. Keep the main thing the main thing. God has spoken to you this week. Don't let it go. Keep a hold of it. Let's keep our eyes fixed. We are the community of Christ. We are God's brilliant idea for transforming the world. We are the church, actually. So let's examine our hearts, as Paul told us to do. Eat a simple meal of love and unity. And then let's go home and be brilliant. Amen.